Good morning. Merry Christmas. Okay, today's reading comes from Isaiah 7, 10 through 25. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest height. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then, then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of, God, of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. In that day, the Lord will whistle for flies from the Nile Delta in Egypt and for bees from the land of Assyria. They will all come and settle in the steep ravines and in the crevices in the rock, on all the thorn bushes and at all the watering water holes. In that day, the Lord will use a razor hired from beyond the Euphrates River, the king of Assyria, to shave your head in private parts and to cut off your beard also. In that day, a person will keep alive a young cow and two goats. And because of the abundance of milk they give, they will be curds to eat. All who remain in the land will eat curds and honey. In that day, in every place where they were, a thousand vines worth a thousand silver shekels, there will only be barriers, briars and thorns. Hunters will go there with bow and arrow, for the land will be covered with briars and thorns. As for all the hills once cultivated by the hoe, you will no longer go there for the fear of briars and thorns. They will, be be they will become places where cattle are turned loose and where sheep run. Wow, that was uh, <laughs> truly special, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> uh, how great it is to uh, have the little ones with us and to, to hear them uh, sing this morning. Uh, yeah, they can be dismissed back to Children's Church, and uh, they'll be back uh, for the, the candle lighting. All right. Well, good morning again, and uh, Merry Christmas Eve to all of you. Uh, this feels a little strange because usually we're gathered together on a Christmas Eve and it's dark outside. <laughs> uh, we'll try and make it as dark as possible in here uh, for when we light the candles. But uh, yeah, interesting when Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday, isn't it? Uh, but uh, again, great to be gathered together in worship. Uh, so if you, if you know me, then you know that uh, I love... Uh, a good thrift, and I've uh, run into some of you <laughs> at different thrift stores here uh, close by. Uh, now, if you ask my wife, she would say that I like thrifting a little bit too much, uh, and that our house is filling with useless items that <laughs> she doesn't really care about. Um, anyway, that's another story. Uh, so when this started in my life, uh, I can't uh, really put a pin on that. Uh, I remember over the pandemic, I started watching a lot of YouTube videos of people that would go out to yard sales and they would, you know, find stuff for cheap and then they would be like, oh, well, this is actually worth this and then they would go and sell it or something and I was fascinated. 
by that idea. Now, that's a little strange. Uh, I even tried to do it myself for a little while, but I was not very good at it. Uh, so I quickly uh, quit that. Now, we have many good thrift shops here in our area. Uh, it's funny, I, I'm getting some nods already, yes. Uh, you have Goodwill down by Walmart, right? You have the Reuse It shop down by Wawa. That's a personal f favorite of many. Uh, down in Honeybrook, you have Steeple to People, if you've been there. Yep, I'm seeing some nods from our Honeybrook people. Uh, you have Freedom Thrift down in New Holland, if anyone's been there. Uh, and then all the way down in Ephrata. Now, I've never been here, but I hear it's really good. You have Fashion Sense. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, now I hear that that one's great. Now this idea uh, of thrifting, this idea of finding something of value for less than it is worth is attractive to us, right? We, as many of us, love a good deal. The thing that we love about thrifting isn't necessarily about the items that we find, uh, but that we are finding them at a good price. Right, I could find this item for sale at Target or at, on Amazon or something like that, but here I'm holding it in my hand, and it only costs 50 cents, so I might as well get it, right? <laughs> at least that's how it goes in my head. I don't know about you. Uh, we love thrifting because we love the thrill of the hunt, right? We, we love the thrill of possibly finding something that we did not know we were looking for. Yep, there it is. Maybe this is putting words to what you felt. <laughs> uh, that's really the magic of thrift shopping. The thought that maybe within those doors, there is some hidden treasure that's just waiting for me. And if I don't stop and go in, it might be lost to me forever, right? Maybe you can relate to this. Yep, I'm seeing some nods. Okay. <laughs> um, so I don't know, you know what brought you here on Christmas Eve. Uh, my hope for us today is this, uh, that we will all find something that we did not know we were looking for. Let me pray for us this morning, and then we'll take a look at our passage. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for what we celebrate this morning. We thank you that we can be gathered together in this way and that we can open up your word. Uh, and Father, that we can uh, glean understanding from it things for each and every one of us to take with us. And so, Father, uh, this morning as we open your word, would you speak to us through it? Uh, may we hear uh, the good news of your son, Jesus, and uh, we pray this in his name. Amen. So I'll ask you to turn with me to a familiar passage. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, verses 18 through 25 this morning. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one uh, in the pew in front of you. You can grab that and, and turn with us. Uh, this is the very first chapter of the New Testament, uh, and so it uh, should be pretty easy uh, to find. Now, if you have a, a bulletin, uh, you can see I have an outline for you there. Uh, we'll split this passage up into two sections this morning. Uh, first, we'll talk about the mystery of Jesus in verses 18 through 20. And then we'll talk about the majesty of Jesus, verses 21 through 25. <clears throat> Let me go ahead and read uh, all of that for us this morning. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. 
His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So if you haven't been with us over the past couple of weeks, uh, we've been moving backwards through the origin story of Jesus. So we started at the end of Jesus' childhood, his journey from Egypt back uh, to Bethlehem. Uh, and tonight we arrive, or this morning we arrive at the beginning, uh, his birth. And Matthew, in this account of Jesus' birth here in Matthew chapter 1, he lays it out pretty clearly. This is how the birth of the Messiah came about. This is the story that we all gather uh, to celebrate this morning. He lays it out pretty clearly. I almost imagine Matthew like a storyteller, right? He's opening up a book, starting the beginning of the story, inviting people to gather around and to lean in, to listen, to hear the story. And so I invite you to lean in and hear the story this morning. Most of us have heard this story before, at least maybe a little familiar with it, uh, but Matthew starts his story by introducing who the characters are. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, we would use the word engaged for this here, same thing, but simply we have two young people, two Jewish young people who are going to be married. By all accounts, just a normal couple living their lives as usual. But like any good story, there's a little bit of drama happening here. An unwanted pregnancy, and Joseph uh, is not the father. Now, Joseph was faithful to the Jewish law. The law was that a woman caught in adultery could be divorced. Not only divorced, but violence was justified. Mary could have been killed by a public stoning. But Joseph though he wanted to be faithful to the law, also wanted to show Mary mercy. It's a pretty good move on Joseph's part. So he chooses to divorce her quietly. He won't make a big fuss about it. He's not going to uh, argue loudly with her, not in public. He's not going to drag her out into the street and cause an uproar. They'll just go their separate ways. Now, this act of mercy from Joseph is an often overlooked part of the birth story of Jesus. Joseph is not Jesus' biological father, and Jesus was perfect, but Joseph still provides an excellent example for what Jesus would go on to do later in his life. Despite everything, 
that Joseph has had happen to him, despite the wrong that it appears has been caused to him by his soon-to-be wife, Mary, despite all that he could have done to her, he chooses to show her mercy instead. He chooses to spare her. Now Jesus, jumping ahead a little bit here, Jesus, at the end of his life, we know how his story would end, when he sacrificed himself on the cross for us, he would show us mercy. Many times in the Bible, marriage is used to describe the relationship between God and his people. And we are always the adulterous ones, the ones who may have been unfaithful to our God. And Jesus, who was faithful to the law, perfectly faithful, did not want to expose us to public disgrace did not want to expose us to the disgrace of having to deal with our sin ourselves, the disgrace of being separated from our God for eternity. And so Jesus had in his mind not to divorce us quietly, but instead to do the opposite. He brings us closer to him. Instead of cutting us off, instead he undoes the cutting off that has happened between us and God. Jesus undoes the brokenness and the division. He provides salvation and restores our relationship to the Father. See, this is part of what we're supposed to see in the birth story of Jesus, is that we're supposed to really see parts of his whole life, what he would go on to do with his life. Because all of these little details add up to show us who Jesus is and what he would go on to do. Jesus is the new and better Adam, He lived a perfect life, showed us what humanity was supposed to be. And so Jesus is the new and better Joseph, too, though Joseph would be Jesus' father. But since Joseph has decided to divorce Mary, an angel has to intervene into our story and to point it in a different direction. A heavenly intermediary comes to mediate the relationship between Joseph and and Mary. The angel explains to Joseph what has happened because Joseph doesn't know until the angel tells him. Joseph, to this point, has thought that Mary has been unfaithful to him. But Joseph, the angel says, your fiance hasn't cheated on you. The baby is from the Holy Spirit. Now this is probably at first hardly comforting for Joseph, right? Well, how does that make sense? How do you explain this? The angel simply tells him not to be afraid, and so Joseph simply isn't afraid, and that he is to marry Mary anyways. And so here's where our our story really starts to turn in a different direction. When we read that part that Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, she's not pregnant through adultery. This, This is not a normal occurrence. She's a virgin, which makes her pregnancy a miracle. How could this happen? A miracle so great that this is what we think of when we think about Jesus' birth story. A miracle so great that all of you are here this morning to celebrate the holiday that we celebrate, Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ to the Virgin Mary. Now, why did Jesus have to be born a virgin? To a virgin? Have you ever thought about that? Why is that such an important detail of the Christmas story? Well, simply put, Jesus' birth to a virgin is incredibly important to who he is, who he was, who he is, and who he would go on to be. 
Jesus had to be born to a virgin because he had no sin. Now, no conception in human history had happened like this, and no conception after this would happen like it. All humans up to this point were descendants of Adam, but Jesus' virgin birth is something new. Jesus was born without sin, and he would never sin. In order to undo the effects of sin and the fall of Adam, God is creating a new and better Adam. God wasn't starting over with humanity, but he was instead providing the one who would allow humanity with the opportunity to start over, to be born again, not in Adam, but in God's very own son, Jesus Christ. Jesus had to be born to a virgin because he was both fully God and fully human. As we've already talked about, Joseph was not Jesus's father, but Mary was still his mother. And so Jesus was both fully human and fully God. Now this is a great mystery, but, Mary's, but Jesus was both Mary's son and God's son, two distinct natures. Jesus had to be the son of God in order for his death on the cross to be a sufficient sacrifice for the penalty of sin. You see, sin had incurred an incredible debt upon humanity and could only be undone by an infinite being. An infinite debt needs an infinite payment for the debt. Only God himself in the person of Jesus could undo it. And Jesus could only be born fully God if he was born to a virgin. Jesus had to be born to a virgin to remind us that God is the creator of all things. Jesus' conception was an act of creation, to show that God has ultimate creative power and that nothing is impossible for him. Only God could create the Son of God, the new and better Adam, just as he had created Adam in the book of Genesis from nothing. Jesus had to be born to a virgin to remind us that salvation is a miracle. Just as the virgin birth is a miracle, so is Jesus' death and resurrection at the end of his life. It is a miracle that the Son of God chose to sacrifice himself on the cross to save us. It is a miracle that any of us, despite all that we have done, have the opportunity to be saved in him. Jesus had to be born to a virgin to remind us that this is the fulfillment of all of the miraculous conceptions that had happened up to this point and all miraculous conceptions that would come after it. There were many miraculous conceptions before this one. Many women who were barren or in old age ended up having children, and many still do in this day. But none like this one. See, this one is the greatest. Remind us of the value of new life and the hope and the joy that comes through a baby who is born out of unlikely circumstances. Now, what circumstances could be un more unlikely than this one? Now, ultimately, as much as we try to explain the virgin birth of Jesus, it's a mystery. We don't understand it completely. We'll never be able to fully explain how it happened, but we can understand why it happened. Here is why. God has entered into the history of humanity in a new way, in a way that he hasn't before. And he is doing so because humanity needs him to do it. God has seen their brokenness. 
He has seen their shortcomings. He has seen their failures. He has heard their cries for help. He has heard their cries for mercy and their cries for justice. And he is providing a way for things to be better. For all of the harm to be undone. For relationships to be restored. This is God's solution to all human longing. To anything you could ever want or ever need. For the greatest need of all people to be met the forgiveness of their sin, and the restoration of their relationship with God. And so this is God's solution. is to send his very own son into the world, born to a virgin. It's a miracle. See, this is the most important thing about the virgin birth. This is what we're supposed to get, is that God has sent his son to save us. So don't let the mystery take away from the majesty of it all. Don't let the need for an explanation distract you from your need for salvation. Back to the thrift store analogy. I don't need to understand how this valuable item on a thrift store shelf made its way to the thrift store shelf. I don't need to know who donated it or who owned it before them or where they bought it from in the first place originally. That's a mystery, right? I, I can't get that information from the thrift store if I ask the person at the counter. You know, they probably don't remember who donated it, right? All I need to know is that I have found something I did not know I was looking for. It's beautiful, it's valuable, and I need to have it. See, that's how we should see the virgin birth of Jesus. But though there are some things that are unknown about the virgin birth, there are some things that are known about it. The angel, in its visit to Joseph, specifies what they are to call their son. His name will be Jesus. The angel also tells them why they are to name him Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. So when we hear the name Jesus, this is what we should think, the Lord saves. And so even before he was born, it is abundantly clear what Jesus would go on to do. He would be the Lord's way of saving his people. Israel had seen saviors before Jesus came. But those saviors had only ever delivered them through military or political victories. But now Jesus has come and he will save them from the thing that they really need saving from. The thing that all people need saving from. Their sin. See, they need a spiritual victory. And this should really reframe uh, every interaction that we see from Jesus. We've been looking at the book of Matthew throughout the past year. Every interaction that Jesus has with another person in Scripture, if we interpret those through the lens of Jesus' name being the Lord saves, it changes it. Right? Every time the Jewish religious leaders tried to disprove who Jesus was, they were literally attacking someone whose name was the Lord saves. Every time Jesus healed a person, they were literally healed by someone whose name was the Lord saves. When Jesus was betrayed, both by Judas and by the crowd at the end of his life and hung on the cross to die, there he is, up there, the Lord saves, hanging on a cross for us. 
See, Jesus' name went beyond just a name. It was his identity. It was, it was who he was. His name was not just salvation. Jesus himself was and is salvation. And this is why the Christmas story is good news, because the Lord saves has come to be among us. He has been born. The Lord's salvation has come near, and he wants to come so near that he lives in our hearts. See, this is why Matthew points back to the book of Isaiah, back to what was prophesied 700 years earlier, what Paige read for us. All of this has taken place to fulfill what God has said through Isaiah, that the Messiah would come through a virgin, that they would call him Emmanuel, which is Jesus' other name, which means God with us. So Jesus' name is not only the Lord saves, but his name is also God with us. Now, what two things could be better for us? than those two things. See, this is why Jesus is the majestic king. Usually when we hear the word majestic, we think of a king upon a throne, dressed extravagantly, using big words, eating the best food with lots of servants running around among him. Majestic, I looked up this definition this week, means of supreme greatness or authority. Sovereignty. And it's not that Jesus doesn't have those things, that he doesn't have authority or sovereignty. He does. But when he came to be with us, he chose to leave those things behind. He chose to be born as a baby. He chose to leave those things behind so that we could relate to him, so that he could serve us with his majesty. Now, if that isn't the best use of authority and sovereignty and majesty that you can think of, then I don't know what is. Jesus isn't majestic because he is better than everyone else or because he is more powerful than everyone else, but even though he is those things, or that he has come to lord it all over us, right? He doesn't lord it over us. In fact, he has come to sacrifice himself for us. This is what it means that he is Jesus, that the Lord saves. Salvation costs something, right? And that cost is God's very own son. What Jesus does with his majesty is that he allows it to be taken from him. He allows himself to be humiliated on the cross at the end of his life, to have a crown of thorns placed upon his head, a mocking sign that says, King of the Jews. Now, we don't think of that as majesty, do we? But he does that all so that we could gain his majesty, so that we could become like him, so that we could be exalted, lifted up, lofty, dignity, all of those things, because he rose from the dead. His death wasn't the end, and all who believe in him will rise with him. They will rise with him to where he came from in the first place, eternity in heaven with the Father. This is how Jesus gives his majesty to us. So really, there's two questions uh, this Christmas Eve from this part about Jesus' life. What do you need salvation from? 
difficult circumstance in your life. I want to tell you that Jesus, in his birth, has already, can immediately, and will definitely save you from it. In what ways do you feel alone? How do you need the comfort of having someone with you? Well, Jesus, the very Son of God, has come to be with you in a very present and real way. That's why his name is Emmanuel, God with us. It's that he is with you always if you've placed your faith in him. Now going back to my thrift store analogy once again, I remember my greatest thrift haul was a time uh, when I went to Goodwill here in Morgantown. Uh, uh, the, the Goodwill when it was by Antonio's before it was down by the Walmart, if you remember that. Uh, I went with my sister, actually. This was long before I was ever going to be a pastor. Um, so kind of ironic how the stories connect here. Anyway, uh, I found this denim Steelers jacket with the logo on the front and the lo- a big logo on the back. Uh, now, I realized as I was writing this story uh, that it might have belonged to one of you. So <laughs> if that's the case, uh, I have your jacket, um, if you want it back. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, it was a little big for me at the time, but I've grown into it nicely. Uh, I'm actually pretty sure that it's a women's jacket, but no one can really tell at a first glance, so that's fine. Uh, now, it sits in my closet most of the time. I don't wear it a lot. Yes, I know the Steelers won last night. It's not because I was wearing the jacket. Um, but when I went to my first Steelers game back in 2019, I got to wear it in all of its glory. I remember the joy of being there with thousands of other Steelers fans, and I was one of them because I had my jacket. I had something. Now, I didn't know that I needed that jacket until I walked into Goodwill that day and saw it, but I found something that I did not know I was looking for. Because I found it, I got to wear it, and I got to celebrate with a lot of other like-minded people who saw the value in it that I saw. And do you see the connection here that I'm making between Jesus and his value? Now, our church is not a thrift shop, (laughs) and Jesus is not a denim stealer's jacket, so it's not a great comparison. But the thing about Jesus is that he's often labeled incorrectly. The thing about a thrift store is that you have items of all different prices, but the prices are what the thrift store decides to put on them, not what the items are actually worth. Now, people have labeled Jesus with all sorts of things, right? He's been mislabeled. He's been undervalued. The thing is, Jesus is of infinite worth. No matter the label that is put on him, it doesn't change who he is. So this morning, this Christmas Eve, you have entered in. You have seen Jesus for who he truly is through this story. You've seen him for his full worth and what he can do for you. And you know that you can get him at a steal. Right? This is a great deal. (laughs) Something any thrifty person can appreciate. Right? So here's the deal. Here's what it is. You can have a relationship with Jesus who is of infinite worth to you. Amen. (laughs) Amen.
that relationship of infinite worth is available to you for free. It costs you nothing. All you have to do is place your faith, your hope, and your trust in him. It isn't about how good you are, what you have or haven't done. It's not about how much you have to bring to Jesus, to offer him as if you could ever have enough to bring to offer to Jesus. Because Jesus is of infinite worth, well, no one could ever have enough, right? But that's why Jesus came to us as a baby boy. You see it? Yeah. (laughs) Do you see the thing, the something that you did not know you were looking for? Here it is. So as we close, as we get ready to light our candles and sing our closing songs, as we do so, I want you to reflect on this idea. This idea that this something could be value, this something of infinite value could be available to you so freely. If this is something that you want to walk out of here today with, you have to check out. <laughs> uh, come see me after the service and uh, we can pray and talk about what that looks like. There could be no greater Christmas gift to have that. So let me pray for us this morning and then uh, we will sing our closing songs. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what this morning means. And God, whatever is holding us back from uh, accepting this, I pray that we would cast it aside. Help us to see Jesus as he is of infinite worth. May we know, God, that we can choose to be with him as he has chosen to be with us. We thank you, God, that he has come to us as a baby and what that means and the love that we can see through him. May each and every one of us lean in a little more into that relationship that we can have. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.